All right, here we are. We're going to be breaking down Marcelo Garcia matches, maybe some roles. Better day, okay, it's actually beat Marcelo. Yeah, crazy amount. He just had his number. Those were early years, though, weren't they? Very, very early. Very yeah, early. This would have been thinking. like the TT team, uh, Ted Day and Tellus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Which is when, if I'm not mistaken, on my history, is when Marcelo, uh, not Marcelo, but uh, Andre Galvao was on the team. This is some early so single X, looks like, from Marcella. To me, super slow down. Yep. Toe out, press down on it. <laughs> Do you, you were training when we started like charting the Mendes brothers using 50 50, right? Yep. How big of a deal that We were just talking about how influential that single X is on like the Dana Hurt stuff. You know, Ashigarami has always existed and was always there before, but there's something about the way that Marcelo does it. You gotta think that those New York guys are sort of cross pollinating each other. Sure, well, and then Alliance HQ. So, Marcelo being Alliance, but just seeing what those guys do, I tell everybody about that role of the fans and yeah, from yeah. the show. What's interesting, too, is to see, like, when the Mendes brothers and you know, like Marcelo, it's, it's like when people didn't have an answer to this Yeah, Marcelo's got that under I wonder if he'll turn that back to X. He's got that scoop through. Yeah, his legs are so strong, man. <laughs> Call him for reaping. Yeah, <laughs> right? He's yeah, going to yeah. push his foot across. A lot of patience here. Yeah. Does he have that sleeve on that side? Or oh. Yeah, Teddy Day's got a good yeah. pace, too. He's got his sleeve on that. I never understood how his name is spelled the way it is, and his name is Teddy <laughs> Like the first time I saw it, I was like, Tedder Day? And then I saw it, and I had the H's and O's in it. I was like, I like this. Nice, in that kind of waiter sweep position. I love how Donahue has a different Like if you have X card with an underhook. Yeah. Like the scoop grip. Yeah, yeah. I almost wish that there was a name for the because one tenth might call something like the Yeah. yeah. We call it bad under. Right. But now I've like been thinking I'm like, I need a name for the overhook. Leg overhook. But I get his his point is like you don't want confusion. Yeah. I'm a I'm a big 
uh, subscriber to that. Well, remember how much time we spent trying to just come up with words, descriptions for things oh, that we were doing? Yeah. Okay, so I showed that double. You bridge and lift them. Yeah. And it's, so now this movie is like, what's that? Well, it's, you know, and I started like somewhere else, like, it's called the bridge and lift. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what it's called, man. I, I was like, like a push up instead. Yeah, I used to call it the double bridge, but I used yeah. to do it with more of a double bridge. Now I don't do it. That's almost like some Ryan Hall spin under. Yeah. Um, it's like Ryan Hall's 50 50 stars. That's somebody. I bet we can do that. Be super nice. Uh, McMillan and I are going to do a podcast. Uh, we need to talk to the Senate to So they had they set up and they come in and they have all sorts of stuff. Uh, you don't really, you just taste it. Yeah, they get people from the state. But uh, we're going to try and do just like a lot of live episode. That's okay, it. Marcel. We're trying to survive just with that, that <laughs> with the smash position. Dude, I've been under Jared Dobbs' position in a match right there with Justin Raider coaching him, and I was able to get out. Actually, he's so close to Butterfly, yeah. but yeah, this guy's everybody the whole time just to try to get a good Flatten his hips out. It's almost like Marcelo almost went into the uh, stiff arm stuff. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And he tried to on the way out. See, this will be interesting to see how this match progresses because it's sort of a hard pass. And, and the guy that won because this is a match of those type of yeah. But we're wanting to have a law enforcement podcast with that Ari guy from something because he started that. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm also talking to DJ Jack this day. Oh, are you? Like, uh, it's not Biden, it's something else. Like, hey man, I want to yeah, do a yeah. podcast with you. I was like, and one of my guys is, is asked me about it at least twice. Randy, Randy was saying, Yeah. It's not Mike Budnick, but it's like, I thought it was, I, it's real similar. Mike Budnick is a different jiu Mike Bidwell. It's Bidwell. So it's another beam. At that side. 
control is. I like how he's uh, controlling the paint line with his uh, yeah. there, right on the crotch. Right on the crotch is what he's doing. <laughs> he's controlling the crotch. <laughs> Which works. Oh, man. My in the Wasted himself on that. Yeah, taking him out from a losing bat situation is something that's real similar. Oh, man, and he was super stacked when that happened, too. Did you see how much weight he had in his hand? So he's starting my show a lot. It doesn't happen very often. Well, that's, I kind of think the point, uh, like, what I got why I wanted to watch uh, some of his stuff is to see. Yeah. Got super smooth, right? And that side control was just so intense. And Marcelo got a little, uh, you know, he got a little desperate, right? He was trying to push out and things like that and open his back a little bit. Okay, so this may be the first match I ever knew about Marcelo being here. And this this is a big yeah, thought man. changer. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Because everybody after so this was like, yeah. do you have to have to check the name? Yeah. 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 But right off the gate, yeah. look at that beautiful. He almost had the arm for two seconds. Yeah. And we talked about this in time, man. Marcelo goes to choke even before he was right. choking. He was choking. You know, he was choking on the way to hooks. <laughs> right. That's that classic drag pulldown. So he's there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and he even had the seatbelt choking. Yeah. 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 Okay, I remember the Nogi section of the next I had left the G, everything was broken up being Nogi. I thought that was cool. So, let me ask you this. What if you, you heard anything about it might be like Q-tips aren't supposed to go in your ears. <laughs> you might not supposed to be raising someone's legs if that doesn't do anything. There's a whole bunch of medical people that say that when somebody goes unconscious, like to turn them on their side or to, to hit them and that the leg raising thing is a bunch of bro science. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, if you think about it, and it, <laughs> you know, I hate to say it, but this has been on my mind because of the George yes, Floyd yes, stuff, that's why it's right? been more, more on my mind for that same reason. So basically what you're doing when you're choking somebody or, you know, like if the, neck, the guy has a knee on the guy's neck, it's a, you know, you're not taking out their wind, you're cutting off their carotid artery and then the carotid runs on the outside and the jugular runs on the inside. You cut off both of those, right? And so any flow between your heart and your brain that's what it's disrupting. And so your brain's not getting enough oxygen and that's what makes you pass out, right? Uh, and so like messing with somebody's extremities is not gonna restore that link between your brain 
and your heart. Everybody's like, it makes the blood go back to their head, bro. Like, I mean, that's, that's kind and that of was the, Well, and the idea is to get the blood out of their extremities and back into their center, right? And that's the theory. But honestly, you know, if your heart's going to pump anywhere first, it's pumping to your brain. That's like the whole yeah. deal. So all this stuff on the outside is kind of, you know, so I could see how it's, I could see why people do it. But I can also see why. What was why was why why I had a problem with it in the beginning, and then I just kept reading about it and kept kept like seeing what people's opinions were. Yeah. But um, honestly, like uh, the last time I tried to wake somebody up, it was Lassiter, and he, he didn't wake up. And that's like one of the first times that he's been choked out long. <laughs> but but he but he didn't wake up. And Sorry, it was, Michael. It's like the first time that he hadn't that somebody it's hadn't woke up to, to get their legs raised, and I was just like, I started to get kind of worried, and I dropped down and all I shelved his his legs, and I was just like, yeah, yeah everybody's yeah. woke up every time that I've raised their legs, but it could have been coincidence. It's only been Probably. ten times total, and I could have been going to wake up anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and it, well, and the thing is, you want to do, the biggest instinct is to do something, right? Somebody's lying there limp, and we're not here, you know, <laughs> we're practicing how to, you know, knock somebody out and, and to make them pass out and things like that. But, you know, it's practice, and <laughs> when it really happens, you know, you, you go into that, you know, it's a panic mode. You want to help. You don't want, you, you'd never intended to hurt that person, right? And then suddenly they're passed out. You're like, oh, man, did I really hurt them? Did I, you know, are they getting brain damage because they're not getting enough oxygen to the brain? And, of course, they're not. I mean, their body will adjust and, and, and things will come out. But that's your first instinct, you know? It's like, I, I, you know, I didn't mean to do that. Dude, what do you think about the, just while we're on the topic, about New York banning the chokehold. Man, I I got. Um, I'm mixed on it. I'm well. I understand where people are coming from. What they don't want. It, so there's with the George Floyd thing, right? That Chapin guy. There's one of two explanations. Either he's, you know completely sadistic and intentionally did all of that. Or he was poorly trained and was ignorant of what he was doing. Uh, I think there may be a third in between. He might have been in shock about partway through that and just because he was blind staring. Yeah, like a mind numbness. Yeah, mind numbness kind of thing. And so I, I don't know. I don't know what's in that guy's head. I don't know what his motivation was. Or what his mental health situation is whether that's on whatever spectrum yeah yeah but clearly what he did right you put your knee on somebody's neck like that and particularly when somebody starts complaining about it right complaining about their heart you know you're starting to cut off their blood flow and then you stay there for nine minutes there's no doubt i mean you cut off his blood flow when that guy passed out halfway through that and then the guy stayed on him four more minutes it's friggin' murder. I mean, it, it's like, it's, it's straight up. So I get needing to prevent people from doing that and understanding that, you know, these kind of, you can kill people with this sort of stuff. Flip side of that, though, is that 
you take away in a really violent person and say a, a person's, you know, um, we talked about, I, I, was a, I was a bouncer for a little while in college and had a guy on, on PCP who was beating up on his, his girlfriend and he was out of his mind and he wasn't gonna stop no matter how we physically restrained him. Luckily, we had multiple people there and could hold him down until the cops came. But if it was just me and I wasn't able, you know, if I'd had a chokehold and I could have made him pass out to kind of subdue him, get him into a position where I could control him, right? I'm putting everybody in danger there if I don't have that in my arsenal. Also, if I'm a cop, am I more likely to use other weapons? Am I more likely That's my to be afraid sense. and to use my gun and to kill somebody? So it's, I'm not sure it was the choke itself in this instance, but it was how it was applied and its duration and, and that kind of thing that was really the dangerous thing. So, you know, I'm mixed about it. I don't know. I, I get where it's coming from. I get why you, you don't want to do it. But at the same time, are you making matters worse or could you potentially make matters? Like, I think pausing it to like, okay, and to just decide, are we going to keep it in as a part of the training, whether that's New York or, or nationwide or state by state, and then we're going to increase the training and then we bring it back or, or whatever. And I'm not necessarily like, if you get down to it, like my contention is like, okay, you, you take um, the, that particular case, this man, never got to go through the justice system. He wasn't even formally charged with anything. Oh, yeah, no. Like, he was unarmed. Yeah, yeah. Right? And they didn't go to their duty belts, but it's like the control and force necessary and the nervousness and lack of confidence that many officers don't train. And, and literally, it, you know, you got, you know, like how we over the years have been like, bro, I just started how to do the flower sweep and I'm a brown belt. Yeah. Right. It's like we learn these new ways to do things. And it's like, oh, we went like 10 years doing this kind of incorrect. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so it's like, like Jack taught me how to do the rear naked choke correctly. But here's the thing. Right. So just like what we were talking about. Anytime I choke somebody unconscious, you know, on the mat in practice, uh, you know, and I've never had to do it in a you know, life-saving or violent situation. Mm -hmm. And I know it's different. But remember what we were just talking about is that first instinct is like, I'm not trying to hurt that person. I didn't mean to hurt that person. So I, I want to help them. I want to, you know, it, it makes me panic that I put somebody in, in that position. And, you know, part of it's on them because they, they need to tap and things like that. And, you know, but there are real life cues that are essentially attacked. You know, the, the when, that guy, when that guy's saying, I can't breathe, that is a tap, right? Or at the very worst, say you're, you're still afraid at that point, and he passes out, he's not a threat. Why stay on his neck? And, and that's, that's the part I cannot explain. I don't, I, I don't get what happened there. I mean, that, that seems, even if you didn't have any training, not to have that instinct to like, all right, I'm here to, you know, 
yeah, I got to subdue this person, but he's a person. I got to, I got to help him if he's in duress, just like anybody else. Um, and that didn't flip over for that guy. Uh, yeah, but, I but, know. You know, Josh and I were talking about this too, though. He had apparently, and I, I, I don't know the whole story, and so I'm, I'm kind of uh, going off just bits and pieces that I remember reading. But I think this guy had had, you know, um, violent instances before. I think he'd used his service weapon a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And uh, Josh and I, uh, McMillan and I have been on this project to talk about um, kind of uh, what happens to police officers and nurses and doctors and things like that uh, after they have those, when somebody dies. And so it's, it's this thing called second, uh, second trauma victims, okay? And so anybody who's treating somebody who's been through trauma or is a part of that trauma, right? Even if they're in official positions and they're there to kind of protect and keep the peace and stuff, they're just as traumatized, right? And so what does that do to their future occurrences of this? Does it, because he'd been in violent situations before, does it make it more likely that he's going to resort to violence in a future situation? And do police officers, do they study that? Do they take that into account? Are they training based on that? Um, and those are big, you know, uh, even before all the COVID stuff and, and, and all of the, the George Floyd stuff, the last like two years, McMillan and I have been talking about, hey, we need an institute that deals with that second trauma thing. Talk to people at, at the hospital about that. And I think this might be a case where that could be important. I mean, what, we'll know more when the trial comes. But I've got tons of questions about that. Like when I said mental health, that's exactly because, I mean, yeah. there's no way. Like, yeah, the most disturbing thing I've ever heard stories from from people I know or were friends with that were in law enforcement was them talking about suicide. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, just like, hey, you didn't get, you, no one was violent towards you. You didn't have to fight anyone. You didn't have to use your weapon. Yeah. Uh, but you had to see something yeah. that you're not going to forget. Yeah. yeah. And, and maybe you had to see half a dozen of them across 10 years. Yeah. Well, and divorce rates and uh, drug addiction and alcoholism. alcoholism. I mean, all that stuff, it, it, just like with, you know, PTSD with people in the military, you know, it's happening to cops. In fact, it's probably happening to cops more often okay. and over a longer period of time. What do you think about this? This is something that someone brought up on that same thought. It's for that reason. And, and I, I hate to even say this because I would not want to cancel out anyone's opportunity, but should vets, that's what we see. We see a lot of vets of PTSD who come back, they've yeah. done a tour and it's very logical for them to be a cop. Yeah. But they have the skills, For sure. but then they also take like a military style training in with them and yeah. maybe some of the occurrences. So there's like some negative crossover there. There can be. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, um, yeah, I know. I don't want to take away anybody's opportunities too, but it's also maybe, you know, that the other big discussion about all this is like, what is a cop's job? And 
unfortunately these days, like so many jobs that people have these days, their jobs have gotten to encompass all kinds of stuff that they're not really originally trained for or not expected to do. I heard the, I think it was a police chief in, in Houston was talking about this and he's like, you know, you're asking my cops to do too much. You're asking my, my officers to do too much. You know, they're having to do like animal control. They're not trained in animal control. So you're asking them to do that and, you know, deal with the person. Well, and like some people, I, I like, and I know this isn't common in all communities, but like ticket quotas and stuff. Like that, they, they say they're very busy, and I know that they answer tons of calls. Yeah. But it's like they're also out there trying to catch us doing bad stuff. Yeah. And and I'm like, well, okay, so maybe we could just like if we were all sitting around like firefighters waiting on a call that there's a fire, it, it, it's like firefighters don't go out and be like, where's a fire? Oh, there's one. <laughs> that's like, interesting you, point. Yeah. you know, like, yeah. but that's a point. It's like, and this is another thing that people like I've talked to from my age, just like. Like Thurman and I talked about the other day. It's like, are you a law-abiding citizen? Yeah, me too. Uh, do you get fearful in some strange way every time you pass a cop? You're like, oh, oh, it's just yeah. ten to two. With how fast am I going? Uh, it was my seatbelt, and you're already you're you're within all the guidelines of the law. But I've ever since I've been sixteen, yeah, and driving, I'm like, oh, man. oh, cop, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, and I, why? Why, why is that? And I, I've wondered several times because I, haven't, I personally haven't had many negative experiences with getting pulled over or anything. I mean, it's always nerve-wracking. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, and it, it's, um, there are so many different philosophies on how you serve and protect people, right? And so the patrols and stuff, I think, you know, part of the idea is that that is deterrence. And so you get out there, you know you're being watched, and so maybe you're less likely to, to do those things. And, and particularly, like the little careless things like speed, right? Um, and that's a, yeah, that's a great thing. Yeah. But, you know, on the other hand, serving and protecting is also, you know, it's not just punishment. It's helping people to, you know, to do better and to give them, you know, a more sort of positive uh, reinforcement for social norms, right? And basically enforce laws, which, you know, we have all agreed on those. I mean, you know, that, that's the other thing that bugs me to some degree about all of the discussions on this. Um, people are making police officers into this sort of other, you know, into this group. Um, and, the, and they're all together. Right. And nationally, you know, their cultures are all very different depending on where they are. And then individually, they're going to be different from they, one another. Did Conway like make national news for like being unique in their culture and how they dealt with all the, was I seeing, was that a different? Uh, well, no, I think uh, I saw a couple of newspaper articles about comparing like how the Fayetteville police reacted to protests versus how Bentonville police did. And that was kind of interesting because, and that's kind of a, a stark cultural sort of thing. Now it may be timing too, and it may be, but you know, how you confront people, how you confront a protester is sort of a, an indication of, of your culture. And all those, you know, those 
police officer cultures can be can be really different. And some of them are very sort of serve and protect minded and some of them are more punitive. And that may be something that we have to discuss and decide on, you know, is what's what's better for people and it and it may be different for different environments too. Have you been seeing so and I have not a lot. I've engaged in some of the dialogue. But it's I see a trend in like we're sitting here riffing on maybe some possible solutions. I know Chris Thompson made a great post like yeah, what yeah. are your ideas? I and, love that we know so many cops too. Yeah. You yeah. know, are are people that were have been cops before, you know? Andy was a cop before Chris Thompson. Was we a cop. still and Mick Mellon being in a he has so much experience. Yeah, and Brandon. Yeah, I'm just your last Yeah, okay. Oh, he just stopped by and said, "Hey, hey Bob." <laughs> yeah, he he loves it. He listens to the podcast. Um, he's been tuning in. So, uh, but yeah, that's. Um, I just want the narrative to be open. The things we're talking about and like, hey, uh, so there's this mental health situation where this guy, like, what are we going to do for officers that? on the job because unfortunately they do have to discharge their weapon in a life or death situation against someone who probably had a weapon and yeah. it, 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 very much in many cases whew, there's a video for everything for yeah. us to watch and i just want the dialogue to be around the solutions it seems like right now it's a lot of well we can't do that because of this and we can't do that because of that my hours and i already don't my family's second job and uh, my schedule and it's like look if you can train a group of cops for 40 hours eight hours a day yeah. five days a week once a year you can train them every week twice a week for 45 minutes yeah yeah and you know and training is a god man you, i i can't see a reason for not doing more training more training is always better you know yeah. and, and uh but I, I also, I also think, I also think this. You know, cops are—they are a reflection of our democratic system. And you know, when I was studying, you know, what people do in Vietnam and stuff, and and so I, I, I talked about a, a lot about formation of government and creating police and stuff, and creating police culture. And they had a horrible one in, in Vietnam. I mean, it's really autocratic. And, but that's the, if you think about it, cops are the most front facing official representation of your government. And so they represent your values more on a day to day basis than anybody else, much more than politicians do. Right? That's a great point. And so, at what point did we stop thinking? that they are a reflection of us. They're not some other, right? They're a reflection of us. And I think it dawned on me when I was like, um, you know, the, actually the cop that, that I worry most about is Logan. Because, uh, you know, he's a state trooper. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I've hit his page several times. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's a different kind of gig, right? being a state trooper and they're, they're, there's, you know, it's. When uh, they got called in heavy in our state. Yeah, and they're getting called to all kinds of different places and they're having to move around a whole bunch. And then plus, you know, you, you talk about 
the day-to-day -day kind of thing. I mean, it, you know, probably the most dangerous place that we have is out on those highways every day. <laughs> and so I worry about Logie, but I, I was thinking about that. I mean, like, Logan's not a reflection of some other group or somebody that I don't know or haven't trained with. That's somebody who's a reflection of, you know, our conversations and our society and, and, the, and the people that, that we're around all the time. And so I, you know, I, I'm not, people have kind of distanced themselves from things that they see as, you know, they, they don't want to be associated with right now. And I know that's like, that's an immediate sort of visceral reaction to all of this. Yeah. But it's also important for us to get over that and to realize that, hey, you know, we're ultimately, uh, these folks are a reflection of us and what our values are and what we want to do. Well, it's an interesting. So do you think if we've seen some disassociation between the public and the police, yeah. is that um, is that a two-way street? Is is that um, are people who hit that disassociation level are, are they doing that in response to seeing, like you're saying, different cultures and how they engage with the protests? There, there may be some disassociation there culturally, yeah. Yeah. where they just they they yeah. look at people within their community because it's high crime yeah. or. Yeah, it, no, it, absolutely, it's trust, right? And so we've had so many years of the um, disintegration of trust in all public officials. And, you know, it's been going on my entire lifetime. You know, uh, Watergate happened when I was four years old, <laughs> right? And so my entire living memory. It was the Rodney King rides when I was four. Yeah, and all that crap you're reading about now with the CIA and all that stuff in the early 70s. That, so that's, I grew up with all of that stuff, right? And so the, the trust in government has just, you know, been disintegrating ever since. And it kind of goes up and down. You know, you have times where it's a little bit better and a little bit worse, but in general, right? We've stopped thinking of our government, the people that represent us, as actually being us and truly representing yeah. And so I think all of this uh, is more a reflection of uh, a, a general problem with our democracy. Because democracy takes trust, it takes faith in representation. And, you know, we're at a pretty bad time in all of that and we got to get that back you know and it doesn't have to be perfect and there's a, there's a certain level of distrust of government that we, you have to have you need to have right i mean that's written into our into our constitution i mean it's, the federal's papers are full of that that's what it grapples with right how much government do we need how much do we want what's practical what's not practical and all that kind of thing um, and we need to have some distrust of that but it can't be to the point that we stop believing that they are a reflection of us or they're a representation of us. If that's happened, our democracy's failed, right? Because representation is all that this is about. It's all it's about, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we need to kind of, as a, as a society, we got to figure out that part of it. We got, we got to get that representation back. Um, and, you know, at, at least at a better level. And it'll never be like, okay, we have perfect faith in our government. It shouldn't be there. But it's got to be better. But everything being a deep state conspiracy for the, the majority <laughs> yeah, of the populace. Yeah, man. And, and, and things like, 
conspiracy and racism go together. You can think of racism essentially just as a grand conspiracy theory. Right? Well, yeah, like, and then the propagations of like, uh, oh, well, if we integrate, then what's going to happen is this with this busload conspiracy going around right now. But back then it was, you know, what's going to happen is busloads of black men are going to show up and rape your white women. Yeah. Like yeah. that was a, that was a propagated yeah. conspiracy. Theory. Exactly. It's scapegoating. It's, it's drawing conclusions about people based on, on little or partial or, or cherry picked evidence, you know? Um, and it's, it's prejudice itself. I mean, conspiracy theories are prejudice by definition because they're incomplete ideas. They're, they're conclusions drawn from incomplete evidence. And it's like we've talked about so many times, it's like the acceptance of chaos, the acceptance that we don't have an explanation. That's human beings' greatest fear. And so, you know, racism, is one of those things that people use to try to explain what's happening to them uh, because they don't know, right? And so they find the scapegoat, they find, they blame stuff on other people uh, for their problems. And then, and then you get all this stuff from that. And so, you know, that's a trust thing as well, right? Are they us or are they not us? <laughs> yeah with that so i was i started listening to daryl davis podcast for a third time he's that he wrote that clandestine relationship yeah it's book. a really interesting podcast but man so like he started he's him talking about when he was 10 and and this is something else i've heard several people that i know that that are black they brought this up was well see my mom had to have this talk with me my dad had to have this my parents had to set me in and yeah. that's something that he goes into and he's like, he's like, well, this book is about me trying to answer the question of how somebody who doesn't know me, has never met me, knows yeah, nothing right. about me, right. can hate. Yeah, yeah. And he changed all those people's minds. To, I thought it was 20. It's 200. Which is the most, you know, in some ways, the most encouraging thing in the world. That's why I keep talking about it. It, it is. You know? It truly is. Because... It's like, okay, if you really knew me, if you really sat down with me, you know, you'd understand. I'm just another human being and, and you know, you don't have to burn crosses in the yard and, and do all this kind of stuff, you that, know? Um, the stories that he tells, the tense, like, moments with the, yeah. that one clan leader that he, he first, like, makes. Yeah. And you know what's weird about being an American right now? Uh, I know we're having a hard time. I know we've got a lot of things that sort of challenged our comfort level about a bunch of things. But we're still, you know, we're the wealthiest and most powerful country on earth. And even before we have these problems or these, these sort of things that remind us that we're vulnerable, um, we're afraid, you know? Racism is a byproduct of fear, <laughs> you know? And we're, we're, you know, we feel like we're not in control and we're not represented and we're not, we don't have a voice and, and all that kind of stuff. And, but the evidence is completely to the contrary. We have more voice and more control 
than any time in human history, but we're incredibly anxious about it. That's a really interesting phenomenon no, you, to me. I don't get it. I, I, so you've made this comment before, and like I actually, I actually doubted you on it, right? Because you were like, I think that the internet will allow us to come to faster conclusions. And I was like, man, it's more to wade through. That's what I was thinking. Well, it's both. <laughs> it's both. But Marie and I were talking yesterday, yeah. and we were talking about how, like, she's she made a post about this. So she spent, like, dozens of hours reading these primary source letters yeah, right. written between, like, the 50s and the 70s. Yeah, yeah. And she's an expert. So, but, her, yeah. but now I don't have to find Marie or read her book or listen to her on my podcast or anything. I can read that on social media. It's like pouring the acid in the pool. Yeah, for sure. It's like, yeah. like it's rearing its head on Gordon Ryan today. Did you see this? No. Apple News no. published a story about Gordon Ryan because Flow Sports released this solidarity statement about Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And um, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, or whatever, Gordon Ryan's got a, 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 a post making history of what they're, what they're calling xenophobic post and right. racist post. And I can see the argument. Right? Yeah. I, I read them and I was like, hey. yeah, yeah. You know, but, but that's like, we, there's no delay. That's so why I was like, well, this is right. It's because there's no delay on the time. It, it's like, oh, we, oh, oh, it's right here. He made the post. We can see it. Yeah. And people feel rushed to make decisions about stuff too, right? And so, you know, we're so used to getting, we have access to so much information now that I think it fools us into thinking that we know what we're talking about, right? And so we push to conclusions a lot faster than we used to, right? And we rely on experts less than we used to because everything is accessible like that. And so our truths, because of all that, our truths become much more individualistic and they're caught within our own sort of uh, feedback bubbles and things like that. And, and so finding ways to agree with other people and you know feel like you're living in the same world are harder. And so I think that's part of what generates that fear, that, that sense of chaos is that we can't agree. I mean, if, if I'm completely solipsistic, right? And so it means that I don't believe in anybody else's reality except my own, okay? <laughs> Which is kind of where people are headed these days. I mean, it goes, beyond narcissism to this kind of solipsism where, you know, the only reality is the one that, that, that I have, that I've created or that are through my eyes. That would make you incredibly insecure, right? If I don't have a kind of shared sense of reality with other people, that scares the crap out of me because then you're truly alone in the universe, you know? <laughs> And I'm afraid that's part of what happens with the internet and stuff. But flip side of that is that we got a lot more information, right? We know a lot more than we used to know as individuals. And there's this paradox, though. And, and you know, Socrates talked about this paradox. You know, the, the, um, the more I study and the older I get, the less I'm sure I, I actually know what I'm talking about. That's a real, that's a real thing, <laughs> you know, cause you realize that there's so much more out there, but we're kind of in a society where we make the assumption 
that we know everything, that we have access to everything. We've been, truth, doing, we've been doing jujitsu. We know leg locks. Exactly. Truth is, we don't, right? And then, you know, one of the beautiful things about jujitsu is it's one of those great tests. If you want to find out what you know and what you don't know, come roll. It'll shine a lot. <laughs> come roll. You will find out. You don't know crap. Yeah. <laughs> that's why, I mean, then that's why I, I want to get more involved in, with this movement of like, Look how big jiu-jitsu MMA striking has become part of it. It's on ESPN. I, I just always am like, turn on Sports Center. Let me know what you see. Now it's only sport on. Yeah. Right? No other sports are going. <laughs> so it's like some, like speaking of just joking conspiracy theories, but like um, people are like, yeah, Dana White, Trump, they're in this together, man. Like, like they do this to shut down all the other industries just so they use, like, and I'm like, oh, Fight Island, man. Like, oh. I know, Fight Island is hilarious. Oh, man. They, they, they really do need to come out, like, in that, uh, was it Enter the Dragon? Oh, I know. And they got they need to have, like, the Bruce Lee garb and all of the robes and crap that they were using. They got to do that full-on fight. Sure. Okay, this actually drives to open this video. How about that? I want to watch, before we get out of here, just some footage, and we can skip around. But yeah, just we watch. Off topic. Just, well, we so did. Marcelo got to make And Invictus. Uh, check those guys out. Law enforcement collective. Um, but look how much Oh, man. I remember, like, when I got big into Marcelo, for some yeah. reason I was like, who's beating? And this was the first match I ever saw him lose. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't know about him losing to Tedaday until I heard about it on Rolled Up. Yeah. When uh, Budo Jake did uh, that match with – or did the Rolled yeah. Up on Tedaday. Yeah. So I think he went to Brazil for it. Yeah. yeah, there's just not that many of them. I mean, yeah, he doesn't lose very often. Yeah. Man, Robert Drysdale. You know, Dana White used to speaking of Dana White used to sponsor Robert Drysdale. He's a teenager. Is that right? Robert Drysdale's work right now on like the historical side of jiu-jitsu. Have you been following that? Uh-uh. I'll look into it. Yeah. He's he's done several podcasts about it. He was just on Johnny and his podcast. Oh really? Yeah. Oh cool. Yeah, yeah I'll check that out. Funny about Marcelo is that you know, he's not very big. That dude's legs are so pretty strong. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Part of the reason that he, he you know, he's amazing jujitsu, but it's also his, he's got some amazing little body portion. He's almost split completely out when he grabbed that. He uses those feet as hooks. I always wonder. His feet look big to me. Like the length of Marcelo's feet. I wonder if that's actually true because he hooks people so. Uh, yeah, I wonder. Like, you know, if he has some extra longer tendons or something like that. Yeah. So that is a good point. I wonder what physical attributes led to the development of his body. Yeah, yeah, because those foot hooks are everything for him. I like, like how Donahue says, put a sticky hook. Yeah. <laughs> I will. <laughs> it's a good term for it. it. It is. Well, and like, I like it because it's like she said. Yeah. And uh, I like his differentiation between strangle and choke. Too. Yeah. No, we can Not be. Not really chokes. These are strangles. We can be in a leadership with that now that we've yeah. received. Uh, <laughs> That's right. The knowledge. Here's, here it is. 
That's an anaconda. I can't really tell. That's an anaconda. Right? Yep. Yeah, he's doing it with his, yeah. his body. It's back there. You know what matches never get old is like the Holy Bear and Baba matches. Oh, I know. Yeah. They're a little boring because <laughs> they're in the same position for so long. Yeah, that's an anaconda. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, I remember seeing this first time I thought he was going to force all the way out of the But look what he does to Marcelo's head with his body once he gets it locked in. Because he's pushing his head with his body. Look at that. Yeah. Right. And pushing against that near side. <clears throat> Drysdale has been interviewing the Red Belts. Oh, really? He speaks Portuguese. Right. Uh, so he's uh, been to Brazil tons of times. But he is like saying things like the Fada lineage never trained with Maya and stuff like that. Like he's like going deep on like Elio, pre-Elio era. Like wow. Is he writing about it? He's, he's writing it. about it, podcasting about it, um, collecting interviews. Yeah, he's doing. And Check he was out. just on Johnny Wester's podcast, Rush yeah. and Tumble. Yeah, yeah. Right. What was that? What was that? What was the other match we said we were gonna? Uh, Cron. Oh yeah. yeah Marcel and Cron. Two thousand nine. That might be the most current. It may be. Just think it's interesting in terms of style. Nixon style versus sort of Marcellus style. We should, on one of these, we should uh, watch some more. Yeah, we should. Oh, right. Jeff, Jeff Glover. We're always talking about Hobson in classes, know, and nobody yeah. knows what we're talking about. So, yeah. Like some old Hobson matches or some prone matches, man. Prone's yeah. got some great matches. That's like the one where Hickson's fucking like a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, prone would be cool, too, because we could transition from jiu-jitsu to MMA matches and see mm -hmm. kind of what oh, carries yeah. over. Yeah, we could do that, too. Um, Two-on-one, right? Butterflies. <laughs> Classic. Crone will be on flat pass now. I can't screen share the flat pass. So I'll get flagged right. YouTube immediately. Facebook. Really? Surprising. But YouTube's algorithm immediately. Yeah, sure. Because Mike and I did one, and I shared... Apparently, you can do less than 30 seconds. Right. But I was sharing the uh, Silva versus Force Griffin, and it's like, yeah, I think it happened to me once with the, yeah. That's happened to that's happened to us in the gym. So yeah. Keep playing in the back. That'll be sweet. We did that today. I'm back with us. Bro's here for systems class today. It's the dumbest week for you. Oh, that was awesome. That was a good one. Like a drop to soda, yeah. yeah, yeah that's nice. Yeah, Crohn's keeps doing that. Palm in the face. I like that. He does, yeah. Yeah. He got, yeah, you got shin on shin with the hook. Uh, with that scooping hook on the outside. Uh, 
got on to him. Just punch him in the face, man. He wasn't. <laughs> he goes right back to yeah, it. Probably good. Man. You know, wrestlers are so good at when someone has you in a front headlock about addressing the, the arm in front of your chin with that, like yeah. pulling out and addressing it with the sit through and stuff. Yeah. No, they don't tolerate it. I've been teaching a lot, or not a lot, but two, the last two days since we started the apps, um, bridging the turtle. Dude, that's just such a wrestling mentality uh, that I see a lot of Jews together. I have, but it's still similar to the other Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm turtle for a long time. I think I'm just all just going more comfortable there. It is about sort of being on your back. You know, I feel like you can play guard and I can play half guard and land stuff. Uh, for a long time, I didn't. Uh, turtle was just more comfortable, you know, for wrestlers. That's, that's that. It was. Not an X guard, but it's sort of like yeah, it's an X guard. Yeah, yeah. Like single X. Yeah, so he's going back and forth from single X to X. What's crazy is how much of what we're doing right now I never picked up when we were going. I think we've been watching Mark Sellers since we were though. Yeah, I never seen. Did you get to that X guard seminar with me? I remember Mary Beth. I think so. Was it down at Revolution? Yeah, it's like yeah. twenty-five bucks, and we learned X the yeah, first yeah. time. But but we also had the book. Now the real debate is is whether or not we're doing the Marcella stuff or the Twisted stuff. Because I, 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 I mean I want to do both. I have to get your votes. Yeah, I <laughs> thought about doing a poll. Be yeah. easy to do. We can do a poll on the email too. Yeah. I'm up for any of it. Yeah, I've been super inspired by the Marcella stuff. That's what I was on his like website for a year and I was just thinking almost two years. Stay for it. It's like a yeah. Well, I was on AOJ for a while. Right? Yeah, yeah, I did AOJ for a little. You know what I got good at for being on uh, AOJ was gardening. Was yeah, kind of weird. They had such a great call. Absolutely, they absolutely did. It's an active guard pole, and you're, you're actually moving people with it and you're trying to sweep them all. The okay, and it goes so much into their guard game. Collar and sleeves, they would heave the style, the bear, all of the stuff. Mm -hmm. Prom looks like he's playing more defense than offense at this point. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that white yeah. flare technical stand up. Oh, oh, oh. Great replacement. Wow. And no stop. I like how he immediately goes into it. And did that shin to shin thing to try to lift him up? 
over and over. <laughs> That's the thing with Marcel. Oh. Beautiful. We'll turn it into a pass. Yeah. Oh. So uh, just the BJJ Fanatics promo they put out of him doing all those chokes. I did, he was, I was things I had never seen before. I was just like, oh, this is just betraying me. Yeah. He does the same stuff and does it so well. You know, it's like the you same two chokes. You know what's coming and he's going to do it to you. I think he's better at that than me. Like, you know exactly what Marcel's going to do. There's tons of new posture here now. Yeah, Dixon's big on teaching that drop in yeah. the center. Nice. That was a great replacement. Thank you. A high guard. This is something. This is my other style sweep. Careful, you best. You know, she's going to be I was working the double ankle sweep with Dixon or with uh, Jack a while back, and there's a real subtle detail that he emphasizes on pushing yourself back into the ankles before you huh. like that, yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I remember, uh, I remember Jack talking about that, right? And it pulls that guy forward, so he's got to go back on his knees. Yeah, Marcel just got incredible balance. So. So, man, here's another question. I wonder if you can pick it off. Yeah. I've done three pilots with Jack. If I miss But, like, a digital scene. Like, he has a guy, he shows things. Like, get, like, a, ten people together. He doesn't have to fly to Arkansas. Well, and you could have people demonstrate what he's talking about on this end, right? That's actually a good idea. Yeah. Save a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. And still, because I'm doing another private with them here pretty soon. And it's just because it's the so overhead great. that costs them. It's the plane ticket and yeah. the lodging and yeah. the beer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like that. Some people call it the ladder sleep where you slide down and close your guard on your knees. That's a very common situation. It's come up recently. Questions. Remember when OTM was a big thing? <laughs> they may still be on the map. Yeah. Now she looked up there. Their CEOs, their owner is kind of a, you know, he's handling something else. I should look into it. Maybe I just go back. He's sponsored that. For arm drags. Do you see Hicks and cornering uh, on here? No, I certainly is. I kind of did too, but this could be back when my Hicks and was out of the, out of the picture from it. By the minute, I mean my like the whole um, first several years I trained, it's in front of the picture. Yeah. Kron's almost got a lockdown. I mean, it's not it's not a real lockdown, but he's way down low on his leg. 
Back, take against Alex Caceres in the UFC. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I've seen Benzo teach that. I also believe that. Him jumping the back like that makes no sense to me, though. I mean, that's pretty. Was Crow was young in this, man. He had to be probably, what, 19? Yeah, yeah, he would have been around 20 for sure. This is insane. It's getting late. That's his third time he got taken. It's just that you kick and go for the single. No, who I, I remember, and we don't have to watch this one because it's not like that. Uh, that I felt like on the stand-up had myself boots. Johnny, you seen them all? Yeah, Johnny takes him down several times. Yeah, and he I does. Like, couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I wonder if they were. Um, I think they were emphasizing wrestling because I think Marcelo was working on his wrestling. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Well, they yeah. seemed like they were just doing stand-up. Sure. Yeah, yeah. He keeps going for that waiter seat. Maybe he's using, maybe he wants to cut to the on or something. I wonder why. I think he's just keeping more balance. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I chipped my tooth. <laughs> like I rolled up through my side, like my teeth went together, I chipped my teeth. <laughs> Jack, my neck, I'm doing grand Oh, yeah, that one, particularly that reverse ankle kick, dude, I, I've always sucked at that. Yeah. I could do the knee bar from yeah. there, you know, but yeah, that was a lot easier. Good thing about the 10th Planet Dinner stuff is that we do enough Grammys that I'm getting a little better at them. Yes. But, man, there was a lot of years of doing really bad and just put a lot of pressure on my neck. Think about those years. Oh yeah. No, we had a lot of <laughs> we had a lot of years we were just kind of piecing it together. True that. That's why yeah. That's why maybe I, I'm empathetic to how uh, the process it takes to get better and like how it is a process. And if you do have to, I had to go to private states, seminars, travel all over the country, competed. I did everything I could, and yeah, yeah. In, in many ways, I still do. It's just not to, yeah. without the competition. Well, and a lot of, you know, our day-to-day -day stuff, we just had to piece together. Rolling the kicks in, is that a real video? 
No, it's not. It's, okay. it's, it's got to, I bet that's the one everybody searches for. Like, <laughs> yeah, I want to see that. <laughs> that's funny. The first one's not even a video. It might be. I don't see it in the results. So, um, okay. Marcel Garcia rolling, Eddie Bravo, Ryan Hall, Ben, ben Askren, Carina. Oh, did you want to do the Hendricks one since, you, since we, we talked yeah, about it all, yeah. a little bit? Okay, another one. When we do the Hobson one, we should watch that rolling. Oh, for sure. The double triangle. Oh. oh, yeah. You remember that? Remember we geeked out on that? so influential, though, because it was like, all right, that's how beautiful jujitsu should look, you know? Well, see, that's I saw rolling reflections right there. That's what made me think of that. Yeah. So, uh, training we'll, takedowns. Yeah, we'll do a Hobson game. Yeah. Fun. I'm down. <laughs> okay, did you pick up that Justin Raider's original wrestling coach is Johnny Hendricks' dad? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> crazy, man. I bet. Did you see how Marcelo like did that with his hook and the single? Like, oh, do I want to hear which leg am I going to hook? Yeah. Hendricks is just so strong. That sort of jab that wrestlers yeah. do. Look how small their little spot is. <laughs> That's always fascinated me how people could, like, all those New York judges. Oh, yeah. yeah Packing so many people in there. Meanwhile, we had, like, this gigantic spot. <laughs> I know. And I'm just like, I know. Oh, man. We're so lucky. <laughs> well, I'm not lucky. lucky. It's due to you guys. Well, you it's, guys a, it's too, like, we're in, in this part of the state. I can't look at they can't do like the property values, the leases, everything. It's totally night and day different. Oh yeah. Like this this property in Northwest Arkansas oh, would be million, yeah. I would estimate. Yeah. So it's just doing arm drags to single legs. I mean, it's nothing, nothing, nothing too, fancy. too fancy. Right? He's just got he's got more soul on his heels though, bad. What I, I guess what I recall about this is how he's shutting down Marcelo's classic game. Oh, yeah. Right. Marcelo keeps he, doing he, those. He turns so tightly on it, right? I mean, there's nothing I'm wasted. I also remember seeing this and just thinking, like, Marcelo is way better than this guy. And, like, that was my thought going in, you know? Yeah. But, man, I, uh, Hendrix is – he's going for that little foot sweep off the head steer. I like yeah. that. Hendrix is very talented. Oh, for sure. And his wrestling is sick. At this time, too, is when he was near near when he was on top. This GSP fight to take it out. Because that's like the probably the trauma of those fights is what yeah. sent him from being on top. Well, and he may have been on performance enhancement. That too. <laughs> then he went to Greg Jackson's and started kicking people in the knee like John Jones. I remember Colby and I were watching that and he was doing that. He's like up against the cage and he was like, oh, and did the John Jones kick. He's like, and Colby's like, you never did that before you went to Jackson's. <laughs> Let's see what else. I have uh, not seen Marcelo rolling with Eddie. You want to check that out? Yeah, I think I've seen that. It's been a while. 
what I love about um, Eddie Marcelo Garcia, best jujitsu man on the planet. Now he's he's at, actually stuff. probably top three. You can see, right? Even the Donahue sets up. You know, me what's it like when it's when the same you guys yeah, oh, man. Man, this, I remember I, I could do shit. Do shit. <laughs> that guy's a fucking monster. I can do like, shit. He wouldn't let me get out of I thought, I thought that in the beginning I could probably get out of the John Jack sweeps that were thought I could most, most. But like even now, I can roll with me that have never rolled with me. It's always the electric try to get them first if I get them at all. Yeah. So. That was the game plan. I just could not get under him. His hips were so strong. He was sprawling so hard. Um, and then uh, I couldn't do shit. Try to work a little rubber guard. Couldn't do shit. <laughs> but that's also Eddie's position all the time. He ended up in the truck for a second. Half guard getting smashed. Oh, no. That's we're, what he does. We're literally he, working this right now. Look at it. Look, he's doing that. He, he just, this is what he does. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I know for sure he wasn't giving me a really good check, so. You have to defend And he doesn't have the underhook. So that's and, he's not, not, and he's yeah. not wizarding. Yeah. I love, we drove that this morning and last night. I love that getting out the side and wizarding him from so the So for sure he was defending that up. Now he has to go under. Once he passed my guard, water. it seemed like I recovered too quickly. It seemed like, you know, he wasn't engaging like he normally does. But I don't know. He's uh, he inspired me. I'm like, wow, shit. I, I got to get better. I got to get stronger. <laughs> so I've been bull. Yeah, I've been in the Yeah, years. He, that was a uh, nah. nah. It's it been definitely like made me five or six years since I've been in New York. I, I, I haven't lived Next time I go back, though, I'm like, really? I'll, I'll get up one of these. Yeah, pilgrimage, man. Yeah, yeah. And my jujitsu. I, the the screen, longest right time, now, I'm so. like the only reason I would even think that was about that was a big part of it. Was, you know, and yeah, then, and now I'm like, okay, strong. I would make. It <laughs> I'm not strong enough. I've never so, been uh, an athlete, you know, and, and now you know, I'm getting old, man. I'm 42. I, I guess Brian is trained, you know, Marcel. Either make that decision, throw in the towel, he's got that or picture. just uh, stay in shape. Oh, Brian Ellis, yes, he did seminar. Well, you too, you know. But anyways, Bryce finally got to roll. Yeah, he might have. Bryce might have talked about it on the I've first podcast that came up. But Bryce was um, his passing friends. Yeah, he like went to New York and he was training with Law Longo Wiseman, and trained like I can into everything that he does. But he went to Marcelo's a few times, and like he kept asking about Marcelo's. He's doing all the research and development. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, but he just kept, he kept uh, persistent. And then finally, he rolled it to me. Take that shit. <laughs> but, too, what's he's scary to me is like, well, I think you might have been there two years ago, Black Belt Camp, Bryce Roll. I got a lot of rolls now, too, but he's got yeah. mad roll. Everybody that rolls yeah, in his gym gets filmed. Well, and Bryce keeps getting better blast. all the time. You want to go with Marcelo, you're going to you know, get put on blast. Fast. You know what I mean? I knew my shit was going to be on yeah, blast. When it's I starting to show. God, it's yeah. just going to be on blast, blast, you know? Why wouldn't they get it out? It's you know, I just, it's, I just, uh, it's I super awesome on Willie when he was on and talking about it. You know, Eddie that's what is, I was thinking. Yeah, I'm glad he got you to know. Because there were some guys you know, that he's massacred and that shit's on YouTube. It's a big inspiration for what he does. You want yeah. you you to be that guy. I was talking to people, too. Like, uh, <laughs> Willie is who showed me the body turn. They're very humble, but I mean, like, the level. I've never Yeah. That's something I've done a couple of times in training. I've never hit it in the Oh, thank you very much. 
Uh, you know, but I mean, it's, it's wrong. It's really cool to watch. He's been doing uh, two-on-one control, which is kind of a reverse arm drag position. And I remember when he was first getting into it, it's, it's a way to control double, double bag, maybe. Yeah. Um, I could be screwing that up. I, 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 I know. I know. Yeah. Terminology. Really, like when we go uh, through it, I get more up on it. Yeah. It's stable. We'll have to do it's a rubber so guard. Well, that's what I was thinking. We got to do rubber guard systems. It's, it's what Brett Michael what we, what we should maybe do, do is uh, do like to uh, another wrestler when they can't get any underhooks or overhooks. Right? So we got two. So one do twist and one do rubber guard. The guy's team yeah. right. like we can sandwich do those. Just a 10th planet systems thing. You can't I mean, do it because it's two racks. Is that like a Russian tie? Yes. Yes. Two even one wrap. It's basically a Russian tie. Because when I started out, it was all half guard and all fired. You need to open up his arms. That was in Eddie's first book. I was telling people, I'm like, you really want to get into some of his early stuff. Check out the master. Yeah, he's doing it from butterfly guard, which my opinion is bringing back butterfly no I wonder what. It's hard to play butterfly guard. I wonder how Marcelo is right here, because Eddie said he's 42. Butterfly guard with, with I heard underhooks. That's somewhere. Maybe one underhook. Hook, but it's hard to get inside and get a good. Not it, it like the um, masters, like hard. whatever masters always. So I guess so. so. like I guess what he did is retired from adult competition and then has a big But he might have been doing masters. I don't think so. I didn't see guys But I just heard two on one. You could do that when a guy's. I think he was doing adult as like a thirty something. And Marcelo is doing that off his ass in butterfly guard and he's been doing it for a while and i've been watching him and i decided we got to get right on this i'm so fascinated by the josh you can't get the underhooks you can't get the overhooks it doesn't even have to be oh right yeah yeah reason why you don't see it that much is because marcelo just knew there was something i'm gonna have my um he's got it perfected my test set back over here in the studio well apparently for that guy it was like game changer yeah, yeah, because became you want to get on the inside, but if the guy's two backs, you can't get on the inside. Was kind he's of just open, two on one. Right? Yeah, and he's in taxi form. Also, there's competition for the back with just that two on one. Yeah, or he I want to say, like, I saw a, a documentary or something. Didn't we watch him on like? It's bringing back butterfly in a bit, way because now like that, uh, if you like stick it out, there's like a show yeah, that like Fear Hoss is on or something. Like I've seen a little docu thing on. Yeah, now you see that shit. I can't remember what it was, but I know what you're saying. No, no, no. You do two on one. It's a book. You just got to develop. It's a book. We'll look it up in a second. Well, and I've seen it, but he doesn't have a video where he talks about it. It's out there. It may have been an interview or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that Fear Hoss interview is not a base. That's going to be That could just be the opening of the game. Because I have gone back to try and watch it again a couple of times. I can't find it. We could just start butterfly just like Marcelo. Hit that two on one and work yeah, on the control. Place. Know that it's not going to work. I'm st- I, I started meditations. I'm going to start it though. Just get a little ride. My son got me back into just know, it. He read it like three or four years ago. Later, I just sort of forgotten. Don't go to he, he's too drew that. So on your Facebook, yeah, just set them up that's awesome. Yeah, what's he doing for school? It changes the game. Like, guys. He's still up in Fayetteville. He's studying like uh, international relations and French. And you know, it's a, like a lot of people. It's a weird year to be in college. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so, 
think he's. So you get to see your uh, family quite a bit up there, I'm sure. Right? Yeah. That's fantastic. I need to look at what but he's. But he's also a college student, you know, so I. <laughs> the art of learning. I not too much. That's it, the art of learning. Yeah. This is, I want to say that there's a, uh, a video of um, him commenting on this. Yeah, and it, right, there's an interview or something. This, I think it's this. Yeah. yeah, but that searching for Bobby Fisher is, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, this is the, if I'm, unless he's been somebody younger, the, the world's youngest chess champion right. at eight years old. Right. Uh, yeah, he's like this prodigy, and um, it's sort of a testament to how similar jujitsu and games like chance or go are. That you know, you take these sort of simple concepts and they get really complex, and there's you know, there's sort of endless in the ways that you can do them. And so they have all you know, tons of similarities. I don't even know how to go back to the main main full screen or whatever doesn't matter i probably yeah let's let's wrap it up man i appreciate you taking the time yeah it's been a good episode i feel like we had a, a very deep talk in the middle <laughs> right it went from well but it, it you know that it's gonna come up every episode just like coronavirus comes up every episode yeah exactly but there is i mean it's relevant right because i mean we were watching marcelo doing you know doing that rnc on strangle yeah, doing the strangle, not a joke at all. <laughs> doing the strangle, and then it, it it naturally leads to you know what's going on there, and then man, that's like that fast. I know. Like and, I couldn't believe Sheldon went out that fast. I didn't remember it I being know. being that bad. Yeah. Right on, man. Well, we're signing off. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you. Fun. Did, what, so, like, what do you think? Do you enjoy podcasting? Like, is it like an outlet for you? I can just because for me, it's like this. It's such a big outlet, you know. It's great to 